up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. We're here in the Pearl District in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, and uh, I got D-Boy alongside me again today. What's going on, D-Boy? I'm good, I'm good. Let's get it, man. Let's get it. Let's do it. So before we get started, make sure you go to wakeupandwin.com. That's wake up, the letter N, win.com, and go purchase your Wake Up and Win merch- merchandise there. Um, we got swag for you. It's through the roof. Yeah, I said it. The swag is through the roof. It's clean. It's, it's clean. clean. The holidays are here and near. I mean, we got Thanksgiving coming up next week, so you might as well go ahead and make your purchase. I know everybody's getting ready to start doing their Black Friday shopping, their Christmas shopping. It's go time, so be sure to go to wakeupthelettern.win.com and check us out. We're also um, on thatcast.com as well. Check us out at thatcast.com. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. And tell We're your there for friends. You. Tell your friends. Yes. Let's spread the word. We appreciate the weekly listeners. Let's start spreading the word and telling your friends because it is growing. You indeed, know I mean? indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, but let's jump straight into it, D-Boy. Well, first off, before we jump straight into it, I want to set the record straight uh, on some things just because here on the podcast... I tend to be very critical of the NFL. I tend to be very critical of the sport of football as a whole. And, you know, obviously I often talk about the NBA and kind of I put the NBA on a pedestal for how business is being ran, the success of the league. Obviously, I played basketball through college, so I got a little bit of bias there as far as the sport of basketball is concerned. Um but, you know, here on the podcast, we, we discuss heavily the intersectionality of sports, politics, and culture. Right, right. And there's no denying that since this podcast has been in existence, the intersectionality between the NFL and even football as a sport and politics has been heightened tremendously, in large part due to the whole Colin Kaepernick movement. Right, right. Now... I say all that to say this. First off, although I may talk about the NFL in a negative light often, I am not proud of that. I'm not happy to talk about the NFL in a negative way and really show the sport of football in a negative light because of several reasons. One reason being I got friends in the NFL, first and foremost. I've seen firsthand the NFL and I've seen the sport of football change their lives drastically. Yeah, all the way. Coming from where we came from. 360. Two, I played the sport of football growing up. And the sport of football changed my life drastically because, you know, we grew up in in some inner city neighborhoods. So being that we grew up in those type of neighborhoods, anything could have happened our lives could have taken a totally different direction than they did had we not had to go to football practice five days a week, had we not had to play a game on Saturday or Sunday. The sport of football had an influence on us staying out of the streets and ultimately trying to live a life with some prosperity. Right, right, right. Now, even beyond that, I've had the beautiful fortune of being able to cover the sport of football. I've gotten the fortune to be able to cover Pac-12 football. I've gotten the fortune to be able to cover the NFL on the radio show. And I'm very grateful and thankful for it. I'm very grateful to have been able to cover these sports because it's really been a dream come true Mm -hmm. for me to be able to have a public platform and talk about sports. In particular, right now, football. Right, right. I even got moments of when, you know, I had some tougher times in my life playing college basketball, um, I came straight out of high school, graduated high school in 2011. Um, I played junior college basketball at DVC my first year out of high school. Then I took a year off just because life was happening. There was just some things going on in life 
that was a little rocky. So I took the season off. And I remember going down to Tucson, Arizona, because my best friend was a dynamite defensive back for the University of Arizona at the time. Yes, I seen playing in the, in the uh, college route. It, it, yes, I seen. Hell of a player. Yeah. And I recall during that year that I took off where I could have easily made the decision to just give up on basketball because I had taken the year off. And I went down there. And I watched my boy get down. He had an interception in that game. You took that trip with me. I went. Uh, I believe. Fun. Did they That's play? What I, meant. I meant best I seen live. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. He he, he, he played well. He, he, he balled out. And I remember the motivation and the inspiration I got watching him ball out at the Division I stage, at the NCAA level, at a four-year university. And I remember on the flight back to California from Tucson, Arizona, thinking to myself, I will do anything humanly possible to make sure that I get a four-year college experience playing the sport of basketball, which is what we all know that I play. Yeah, yeah. So with all that being said, and even thinking back to, like I said, being able to cover the sports and, and being able to do post-game shows at Austin Stadium and go cover Pac-12 games all over the West Coast and being able to cover the NFL, one of the biggest joys that I've had in being able to do that was covering the sport of football and not having to speak a lick about politics. Facts, facts, facts. But when it comes to the Wake Up and Win podcast, we talk about we talk about politics. So we gotta we gotta call it how it is. For real. So with that being said, Le'Veon Bell, you have made me a proud American with your decision to not play this season, with your decision to not report because you didn't feel like you were getting your just due as far as your contract negotiations were concerned, and there was a deadline that you had to report to the headquarters, to the organization's headquarters, and you decided not to do it. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you on many levels. Obviously, we know um, kind of the tacky business that's been going on in the, in the NFL. I've already mentioned the entire, in the entire Colin Kaepernick thing, and we're not going to get into that. You all know what it is. The man should have a job right now. Um, obviously, we've seen NFL players come out and really – advocate for themselves to be able to make more money in the NFL because this is a league where contracts aren't guaranteed. This is a league where guys should probably be making more money and they're running a higher risk of injury than many other sports out there. Mm -hmm. So for me to see Le'Veon Bell stand his ground and not play this season, and he still could have got a significant amount of money, at least what seems to be a significant amount of money because of how good he was and he could have gotten that franchise tag, but it wasn't what he felt like he deserved. I'm proud of Le'Veon for that. I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. He was gonna get paid. Go play football, man. Go play. Why? Why? What? Like, at what point is it just like? What are you trying to prove as far as the holdout? Like that you just basically the only thing is that you need more money. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the loyalty lie though? Like you're not hurting for money. We know that you're not hurting for money. You've been playing with Pittsburgh in that organization for quite some time now. Am I right? We're sitting here, and you, you said, where does the loyalty lie? Where does the loyalty lie from these organizations to these players they, would be the been, first they, question that like I have. Ju- but He's just, a great player. You just sat here and said how you've watched football, NFL in particular, change the lives of people that you grew up with. Me Absolutely. And you both, correct? That doesn't mean there's loyalty there. What I'm saying <laughs> does is not mean that. they didn't put him on payroll year after year, and I'm talking about a, a nice payroll. Because he's you a great me? player. Exactly. He's. I'm not saying he's undeserving of it, but these players get paid a lot of freaking money. And it's like, it, it, it's almost a greedy thing to me. You getting endorsement money. You getting regular money. You getting a pro treatment. Everything that come with it, and you want to sit out. Like life ain't that bad, bro. Go play the game. You feel me? And that's my take. And on here's it. why I disagree with that. I feel like 
that's kind of a slave mentality to have. And I think you of all people should be able to understand why Le'Veon Bell is making the decision that he's right, making he based on you being a music artist but, but what I'm and based is, on being an independent music what artist. I'm, what I'm you can get getting, a deal, but getting, if it's not the deal that you want Devon, and if you, you see gotta, that you have the potential to make more money, bold, why not do Devon, so? That's a bold statement. Indeed it a, is. A slave mentality for somebody that's playing a game of football and getting paid millions of dollars and getting paid opportunities to I said, travel the I, world. I said it's a mentality. No I said no, a mentality. It's, no, it's, no it's, it's a difference between being a slave no, and having a slave-like mentality. Like I feel like there's a mentality there. If you're worth more than what you're going to get, because he is top three running back in the NFL, oh, for sure. We've oh, seen We've seen um, Todd Gurley come out and get paid the money that he deserved to get paid. We saw what Camille, Khalil Mack did, excuse me, and holding out and get paid the amount All he was supposed to get paid. And Le'Veon Bell, he's 26 years old. Oh, That's man. young. They, and in, oh, in by NFL the way, years. and oh, by the way, let's not forget this. Right here in the Northwest, the Seattle Seahawks, Earl Thomas, defensive back. He held out this preseason because he felt like he deserved more money and he was in contract negotiations with the Seattle Seahawks. Guess what happened? He didn't get the money. So what does he go do? Just what you say to go do. He goes out and plays football. You want to know what happened after that? Second, third week of the plan in Wait, the NFL, he, he broke his leg. That ain't his fault. He that broke is. his leg. So Sorry. my point is this. Sorry. My point is this. In a sport, in a sport where injury is super high risk and you have the ability that Le'Veon Bell has to not only get played, to get paid, but play the game of football. And he's playing the running back position. Let's not forget that. And let's not forget this. His backup has the second most Listen amount here. of touches from that position in the league. If that's to the not case, get paid what you deserve to get paid, I would things? sit out too and keep those fresh legs to be able to come back the next year and be an unrestricted free agent and get a humongous contract with guaranteed money then? and signing bonus money. How about money? this argument then and take it a step further? We could agree that NFL in particular is a way higher injury risk than basketball, right? Yeah, especially head injury, for then, sure. Then the NFL should be all done. Everybody in the NFL who plays a significant amount should stop playing football because none of them get play, paid more than NBA or MLB players. Am I right? Football Depend players get paid less than both. They don't get guaranteed money, especially. It, it's all of the above. And their contracts generally aren't as big as most of the better players. Indeed. In, right. So I say all that to say, I've been thinking this, and I think you said it too, maybe on a podcast last year, maybe some months back, but I think NFL players should get paid more money, period, in comparison to what these other sports get paid. But if if we take a step further with your point is and all this, I don't think it's a slave mentality. I think that the NFL, the players as a whole, should feel cheated by what they're getting paid when they're seeing these NBA and MLB I, we know CC Sabathia personally, and he got contracts fatter than any football for sure. player. For so, sure. To throw a baseball. But I think that's feeding into my point. The fact that we feel that he should get paid more money, and he decided to make the decision right, the whole to NFL hold out. Should feel like that is what I'm but, saying. But but regardless, you're talking the fairness game when you when you say the whole NFL. I'm talking Le'Veon Bell, yeah, who's a top three. No 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 fair. no no no. Exactly my point. I'm talking game. I'm talking Le'Veon Bell, who's a top three player at his position. Maybe. He doesn't arguably. have to top five, not okay. arguably. So not even five. if we say top five at, at his position and we're not arguing that if he feel like he deserves to get paid more money I can take that from a player who's earned the right to feel that way based on his production and based on him being well, a top five player, player at his position. Every player is not the same. Every player is not the same. I'm just saying we're talking Le'Veon Bell. The sport. Why? The whole sport is underpaid <laughs> why? compared to these other sports. So then why should he just go out there and play and play the game if he feels like he's being underpaid? Because he's, I said in comparison, I think in I think overall everybody getting paid too much. So, but I'm talking Le'Veon Bell right now. Yeah, Why Le should Le'Veon Bell not hold out been, from getting the money that he feels that he deserves? He, he feel he deserve it, but he don't deserve. All he that. does deserve it, no, really. True. If no, you look don't. at if you look at other guys at his position, no. i.e., like I said, Ty Gurley, a player at his position who had to speak out 
and ultimately got paid because of how good of a player he was. You and I have sit here and talked about Khalil Mack on this podcast, who wouldn't come back and play with the Oakland Raiders because we didn't pay him what he felt he should be paid. Now look at him having the success he's having in Chicago, making the money that he wants to make. Le'Veon Bell is that tier of a player. So for him to make the same decision, I'm not mad about it, especially, (laughs) especially, especially when I think about what Earl Thomas did. And I do agree with you that this is something else that has an effect on the NFL players that you do see NBA guys making more money than MLB guys. And I'm going to tell you a story about that. I was in Los Angeles. Last year, I was in Los Angeles, and I was with one of my good friends who actually plays in the NBA. It was during the summer, during the offseason, and my friend who's in the NBA, I'm not going to sit here and drop no names. If you know, you know. But he's blessed and fortunate enough to have gotten a lucrative, guaranteed contract in the NBA. So it's the offseason. We're going out. We're turning up. We're having fun, and we go to one of the hottest clubs in Los Angeles. And so we up there, we turning up, we having a ball. It's star-studded, a bunch of pro athletes, a bunch of rappers, famous people. It's L.A., Hollywood, all that good stuff. We, we know what it is out there. So me personally, you know, I'm obviously used to being around pro athletes covering sports. Uh, like I said, I'm fortunate enough to know a lot of friends that have gotten the opportunity to play at the highest levels in professional sports. And I'm sitting there, and I'm turned up. I'm in my mode. My boys enjoying this offseason. Our circle of friends are enjoying a good time in Los Angeles. And then one of our friends came up to me while we were turning up, and he says, Pounce, you know what I just noticed? And I said, what you notice? He's like, it's NFL players in here. It's NBA players in here. And one thing I'm noticing is all the NFL players are in here with a lot of their other NFL teammates. And all the NBA players are in here essentially by themselves if we're talking about it from a teammate perspective. Sure, they were in there with their own personal group and circle of friends, but he's like, they're all in here by themselves. Mm -hmm. He was like, boy, is that money talking. Because the NBA players are able to come in here and you know just as well as I know how expensive bottle service could be, especially when you're in the hottest club in Los Angeles. It ain't cheap for nobody. It ain't cheap. cheap. Mm -hmm. But when he said that to me, I looked around and it clicked. I'm seeing players off the Los Angeles Rams over there with their teammates, and then I'm seeing other NBA players. Like I said, I'm not going to name drop nobody, but I'm noticing, yeah, the NBA players aren't in here with none of their NBA friends because they're getting a lucrative enough bag to be able to take care of things themselves. And on the surface, that may not sound important, but you and I know from your experience of living in Los Angeles, from both of our experiences of partying and hanging out in Los Angeles and knowing how much of a lifestyle when it comes to status and how much they kind of feed into status out there in Los Angeles, whether it's a pro athlete, an entertainer, regardless of what it is. We know it's all about status out there. Do you think that took care of the whole shebang too, though? Yeah, for sure. For sure we have. For sure we have. But but the outlook of the guy, and and we we can say that being from a perspective of we're not in the NFL. Right, right, right. right. So to us, yeah, our folks in the NFL doing well, making good money. But when you up there, and it's like I'm a star, and you a star, I'm making money, and you making money. Money, it's it's levels, levels to it. Levels. So when he said that, like I said, on the surface, it may not sound that important, but you better believe if we can sit here and talk about how much social media, which is pretty much a mm. perception based outlet is affecting mental health and the way that people think and the way that athletes think and the way that society thinks in general, you better believe in those type of situations and those type of environments, especially when we're comparing NBA and NFL, where both leagues are predominantly black. So these players, these athletes, these people, citizens, whatever it is that you want to call them, they share similar backgrounds. They share similar interests. They, that's why they're all there in the building. Facts. Facts. So you better believe they're thinking while they're sitting here with their teammates and whether they're splitting the bill, paying the bill, which usually is kind of what the case of it was, and that was the point that my guy was getting at, whether they're splitting the bill and this NBA player is having a light show because he's making a ton more money and his money is guaranteed, 
you better believe that has an effect on them even if it's just floating in the back of their head it does have an effect on those nfl players especially in the society that we live in today so if we want to like i said if we want to sit and talk mental health if we want to sit and talk perception and how important it is and guys having a platform and the images that these players have I think that it's better for these NFL players to say, you know what, let's go get the money that we do deserve, especially if you look at it in retrospect from how much money they're making the NFL based on their likeness, not based on what sounds like a lot of money to us. I get you. We're talking about the amount of money that they deserve based on their likeness. And with Le'Veon being a top 10 player, a top five player at his position. Right, right. I am 100% proud of him making the decision that he made to hold out and get his bag when the time comes next March for free agency. Yeah, no, I mean, we're we entitled to our own opinions. For you know sure. I mean? It's a lot of different levels, like you said, a lot of different outlooks and takes on it in comparison to the bigger picture, which is the fact that these people do see the NBA and NFL contracts and the very uh, – less risk involved in those sports in my opinion so you know but it's good content good talk for sure for sure for sure so Le'Veon once again I support your decision I'm proud of your decision I don't you make me a proud American because you're handling business the way that you feel it should be handled so um next up it's been a lot of drama in the league man it's been a whole lot of drama in the league so um yeah, we're going to get into that. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. I'm Devon Pouncey, D-Boy alongside me, and we are a production of That Cast Network. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on That Cast Network. And we are back. We are back. We are back. And I know a few weeks back when the NBA season started, and it's crazy that the NBA season hasn't even been in effect for a full month yet, or maybe right now it's just now making a full month. I think it started on, what was it, October 16th or something like that was opening night? Yeah, yeah. Today's November 15th, so technically speaking, it hasn't even been a full month that the NBA has been back up and running in its regular season form. But when we did talk about the NBA a few weeks back, um, I told you all that periodically we'd be checking back in and we'd cover the NBA in a different way than just your general coverage of the NBA. So what I had us do was we made predictions. Um, we talked about those predictions here on the podcast and we'll continue going forward as the season progresses to go back to those predictions to hold ourselves accountable to hold this podcast accountable and to give you a different outlook on some NBA content, the only way that we know how to do. But I couldn't hold off this week from talking about the NBA, especially in a form that has nothing to do with the predictions that we made. Like I said, I'm going to do my best to stay away from the NBA, but the NBA is just so good and there's so many significant things it's happening so in the NBA. I love it. It's crazy. It's it. so entertaining and there's so many significant things happening in the NBA that we have to talk about it. We absolutely have to talk about it. So D-Boy, what do you want to start with <laughs> is really the question. You got Draymond and Kevin Durant. You got Jimmy Butler to the Sixers. You got Carmelo Anthony being let go by the Rockets. We can cover all three of them, but where do you want to start? Draymond Green. Let's do it. All right. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like the fact that. Okay. Let Let me. I don't even need to backtrack because I haven't got into it too much. But first of all, I watched some video. I tried to read the lips. I personally didn't see the B word come out, but I've seen enough sources to kind of confirmed that Draymond Green called Kevin Durant the B-word multiple times. Indeed. Do, have you seen that? Is that what yeah, seems to be Yeah, that's what's the being case? reported. That's what's okay. being reported. Um, if that's the case, I think that it is a long-term effect and not something that is going to uh, go away as easy as it might seem like Kevin Durant and Draymond Green are downplaying it in the media. It's their job not to give the media these extra stories to kind of dismantle or potentially harm 
their you you know yeah, their, their, reputation, their reputation if that, if that team, makes sense all of that you know what I mean all that. and uh, like a relationship yeah. girlfriend and boyfriend husband and wife like a relationship brother to br family in general any team that I've been associated any good team that I've been associated with has always considered themselves family right and so with that being said although the family is downplaying the extent or the severity or the seriousness of what was really said, I think it's really some problems in-house. And you can't take away from that. And uh, like I said, the uh, the tenacity and the approach that Draymond Green plays with, yeah, it's likable at some times. I know people who hate him for it. It's, a, it's definitely a love-hate type of situation. But personally, I just think that uh, if the B word was used... And if it was used multiple times, I don't think it would be no coming back from it. I think it would be a level of I'm going to deal with it and get through the season or maybe a couple seasons if the sacrifice is sacrificial enough to do so. But yeah. other than that, I think that what we just saw unfolded some uh, long-term problems with the Golden State. Um, I, I do agree that potentially there could be no coming back from anybody being called the B-word. Um, but I also believe that when it comes to those two players, that they can get past that. I do think that they can get past it, but I do hear where you're coming from. Being called the B-word multiple times, that could be taken personally as well. And we know Kevin Durant, he can take some things personal. And what I mean by, well, I think we're agreeing. When you say get past it, I think you can say get through it. And what I mean by, these are two grown, mature adult men that Absolutely. can play. Through. It's not like they're going to be on the court purposely, not passing to each other. And they still are going to do what's for the betterment of the team. Right. But like I said, getting called a B word and getting called it multiple times, You know, me and you grew up together in the same house, have had many agreements and disagreements. Never has it gotten to the point of calling somebody the B word because it's extremely disrespectful. I, I get that. And I know they're not blood brothers. I'm, I'm not making that comparison, but we just know that it, whether you in a bar, whether whatever, it's certain things that might get excused. And then it's certain things where you got to kind of know and expect a long term or an instant reaction. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. But back to what I was saying, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. I do think the potential is there for there to be a damaged or a ruptured relationship. But ultimately, where I think things got out of pocket and where I think Draymond Green was even more so wrong and where he could have did more damage to their relationship is if he made mention about Kevin Durant and free agency next year. That's where I have a bigger problem, even more so than him calling him the B word. Did we listen to an interview where he did kind of he he yeah he he kind of referred yeah, to that, I which makes like that. me believe that he did come out and say that. Sources say that he came out and talked about Draymond, I mean Kevin Durant, and free agency next year. Multiple problems I have with that. The first problem is Draymond Green. You recruited Kevin Durant. You were the first player to reach out to Kevin Durant after y'all lost Game 7 and what was that, the 2016 NBA Finals when Kyrie Irving hit the big shot. LeBron James got the monumental block. We know about, about all that. If you listen to the story and if you know the story of the Golden State Warriors, after that game, Draymond Green didn't even leave the parking lot before he reached out to Kevin Durant to recruit him to come play for the Golden State Warriors. So that in itself, that so that in itself tells me that you are the last person to be able to speak on anybody when it comes to free agency because of the role that you played and Kevin Durant making the tremendous move that he made to leave OKC and come to Golden State. Mm -hmm. My second problem with that, and this kind of relates to the Le'Veon Bell issue and why I respect Le'Veon Bell so much. A lot of what we love about the NBA and a lot of what even Draymond Green stands for, if you watch him on LeBron's TV shows and if you hear him just coming out and just talking and saying whatever it is that he has to say, when it comes to the business aspect of things and when it comes to the freedom of decision making that these players have you're in the wrong league to be trying to speak out negatively against anybody 
making a decision that may be the best decision for them, especially based on what you've already come out and said and what you've came out and supported over time. But, I mean, he kind of tried to say that. He tried to take that approach like, Whatever decision they make, I respect them as a man. You entitled, but it shouldn't even have got but, to that. But that's that my have thing. Been spoken about. He had to we are say in that the now in the season, and is that's all that should have been discussed. Why do you think he had to say that? He had to say that because he had already made the comments that he made about Kevin Durant and free agency right. in the first place right. that should have never gotten made, and which ultimately is what I believe led to him being suspended for a game. And, and can I can I dig even deeper to this? Um, as some, like I said. I think that Draymond Green has a love-hate relationship with a lot of basketball fans in the world. I know people in my family who love him and damn near idolize him. I got close friends who hate him and can't stand anything that he does on the basketball court. I say all that to say, at some point, we can't keep blaming everything or excusing all of his actions on playing with, you know, tenacity and being a leave everything on the floor type of guy. At some point, you're still a grown, a professional grown man and as a professional that word holds a lot of weight whether you're a professional in a cell phone industry whether you're a professional shoe salesman or a professional basketball player that professional label is it's more than just playing the game of basketball it's about how you hold yourself and conduct yourself in a character as a person and it's a thin line between letting your you know, character play for you in a in a in a positive manner, which obviously, if that's been him his whole life, he's he's gotten further than one percent of the entire world when it comes to being a professional basketball player in the NBA. So I'm not knocking that. But what I'm saying is it has to be a control or a line that's drawn between you playing with this kind of approach and you really making a lot of bad decisions not only for your opponents but for teams you you know what even beyond him having that approach and beyond him being a professional let's give him the benefit of doubt and say you know what you are an emotional guy you are an emotional player you are this is what makes you who you are you would not be as good as you are if you didn't play with such emotion and such passion and if you weren't the kind of player that called other guys out because of the emotion and the passion that you play with and quite frankly you're a good player you got a high IQ you are a leader but no but no but no but you're a leader but my point is this if there's anybody in the league because of the emotion that he plays with because of the passion that he plays with because of him being considered the heart and soul of his of this team and having the leadership qualities that he has if there's anybody that could take that should be able to take constructive criticism from their teammate after making a play where you dribbled the ball off your foot and didn't even get a shot off mm-hmm. it should be you because right. of the green light that you have to be able to do so with others and not not even just the green light True. that you have, Fact. the advantage that you've taken of doing so with others. So ultimately what I'm getting at is, and this is to me beyond him and Kevin Durant, I think a lot of people tried to blame Kevin Durant in some sense because it might have seemed like a selfish act that Kevin Durant, who by the way had 33 points, had a 33-point triple-double at the time mm-hmm. already, mm-hmm. wanted yeah. the ball and was yeah, calling for the ball. Wrong nothing wrong with that, first of all. But I don't think he was necessarily mad that he just didn't get the ball because had Draymond at least gotten the ball up to Florida, Clay Thompson, who had 13 points in that fourth quarter, Kevin Durant would have lived with that. that But you look Kevin Durant off. You only had six points in the game at the time. You you, didn't get the ball to Clay Thompson, who had 13 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, He he does handle the ball a lot. Not like that. He does. He does. What I'm saying by He has green light to get it to go. What I said is he's not a guard. He's not a guard. But he has the green light to get it and but, go. No, I didn't say that. It's, I said he's not a guard. Uh, and in them, I want the ball in a uh, ball handler's hand. He's a ball Even handler. Though, no, he, he handles the handler. ball. He's, a ball he's not a guard. Ball handler. The, he's the cap- game is positionless. No, listen, he's capable of, of bringing the ball up the court. But he's also just as much capable as bouncing the shit off his foot. And that's what I mean. That I disagree with. No, he is. He's very He did it in that it. moment. He ain't no But dribbler. that I disagree with. He ain't with. no dribbler. Draymond can handle the man. ball. He can pass the ball. Man. And he didn't He Please, didn't pass the ball. Please chime in. That Draymond I disagree with. Draymond ain't no dribbler. Draymond can play 94 feet of basketball on both ends of the floor. That's not what I said. No, he can handle the ball. No, he he has the green light to bring the no, ball up Draymond the court. Draymond ain't no dribbler. Draymond. And he can pass the ball very well. He can play a guard. He can play a guard forward, a point forward type of a player. Yes, he can. He's been doing it for a 
long time. No. But anywho, Draymond, you made the wrong play. Take the criticism. You know what? You come back to the bench and say, my bad. I know you're mad and frustrated because you think Kevin Durant was being selfish in the moment. Even if it's not you that think that, people think Kevin Durant was being selfish in the moment and showed a lack of leadership because he didn't motivate Draymond yeah, Green necessarily. Point, all of that, that, any of that doesn't excuse disrespect and constant disrespect. Like you said, he's called out other people. He's Indeed. He's been very vocal about how he feels about certain things, whether it be referees, media, teammates, oppositions, whatever. So... Like I said, it just it's too many times now where I've heard y'all know where I play with my emotions. Yeah, no, honestly, I, no. I, it's not excusable. It's not excusable point. at all. You, you're a professional and you have to know how to channel that injury for the good. I mean, energy, not injury. You need to know how to channel that in energy for the benefit. And ultimately, me? you made the wrong play. Live with it. You made the wrong play. I do think that you should be able to bring the ball up court. I think you're good enough to do so. You've proven it time and again. But in that particular moment, you're not really the greatest scorer, and you had two guys that have been hot that do score the ball better than you. If you would have even got it to them, because you can play a floor general-type role, then things would have been better off for you. But the fact that you did end up dribbling and kicking the ball off your foot – uh uh it wasn't bad. Right. it wasn't good. And, and and on a on a smooth transitional note, I really don't want to talk about Jimmy, but I ain't gonna lie. A lot of people, a lot of listeners gave Pounce some credit last uh last week mm -hmm. as if he broke the damn story when mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler uh got traded or it was announced that he got traded mm -hmm. to the Sixers. So makes sense. I don't want to spend too much time, but I kinda want you to dig into how you feel about that and exactly what kind of you know, what you felt from the feedback that you got from listeners, uh, you know. I mean, well, ultimately what I felt, and like I said, I was talking about it more for, so from a perspective of the prediction that I made. As I mentioned, we made these predictions that Joel Embiid would be the defensive player of the year this year. And I said that the only downfall that he had was the fact that he didn't have another guy out there that was helping him enough with the scoring load offensively, and it took away from some of his production on the defensive end. He's still such an elite player, such an elite competitor, and such an elite defender that everything else is still in his favor to at least be a candidate to win that award. But because he was the only guy averaging more than 20 points on that team, that played a huge effect on him being able to focus more on the defensive end and him to be able to not take plays off on the defensive end of the floor because he had more energy to be able to do so. So now that you bring Jimmy Butler to this team, that's instant firepower, that is another defender there for you, and Jimmy's an all-star. You no longer have to rely on a young Ben Simmons to try to have to play like LeBron James because that's who he gets compared to and he's only in his second year of his career. Right. It's going to take time for Ben Simmons to be able to flourish and be the player that he can ultimately be, especially when it comes to scoring the basketball. He doesn't have a jump shot. He's young. He, he's a bigger guard. He's, he doesn't have a conventional style of play, and that's if we're talking about how the game is now. I think the old conventional style of play was more inside out. Now, today's conventional style of play is more outside in, being able to have five guys on the floor that can shoot it down, that can, that can shoot the three, that has some range, that can play away from the basket. Ben Simmons is really not that guy. He can handle the ball. He can pass the ball. He's a good floor general. But he's a guy that you can sag off of defensively because he's not a great shooter. So with Jimmy coming over there, it makes a world of sense that this team goes from now just a playoff team to being a contender and now having no excuses for not being able to win the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying that they're the favorites in the Eastern Conference. I'm not even saying that they're the best in the Eastern Conference. But what I'm saying is now that they've added Jimmy Butler to that team and they do have that other score that could, that averages 20-plus points per game over there. And, yeah, you do still have a Ben Simmons on your team who puts up great numbers all around and a Joel Embiid who's just a flat-out dominant player in this league. And you do have a shooter in J.J. Redding. It's not many excuses for this team to not be able to go out and win a LeBron James-less Eastern Conference. So that's ultimately what I'm getting at. And I think Philadelphia listened to what we said right here on the podcast and they made the right decision by making that trade and bringing in Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't think that the Sixers got a chance to win nothing, but uh, 
you know, I I'm anxious to see. It's definitely a, it's a positive for the Sixers. You can't, you know what I mean. You can't see a negative by getting Jimmy Butler. Um, but like I said, I still think that it's obviously it's you know they're in the Eastern Conference, but ultimately it's the Warriors League still. They're gonna win it all in the East. You know, I think that Philly might have some success, but I think it's it's a I think theirs is really a process. I don't think Jimmy coming there is a He's here. We we're golden. You know what I mean. And yeah. even even with like somebody like Boston, I feel like I think we kind of seeing that they had a good year last year, but they still got some figuring it out to do too. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean. And so I think that is definitely could be interesting in the East, and it could shake some stuff up. But uh, yeah, I just I'm not sold yet. That's why I said I don't want to spend too much time on it personally because I want to see a couple of games and how that kind of all. They got off to a win last night. Right, right. Um, and I, now I want to talk about Melo real quick before we head over to the next segment. Carmelo Anthony. I see a lot of people coming out and defending Carmelo Anthony. I'm seeing the stack jacks of the world coming out and defending Carmelo and, and pretty much saying that he's better than X amount of guys in the NBA stack. and saying that stack jack and saying stack that. hella funny to yeah, follow. Yeah, he is. He, he's a good follow, that's yeah, for sure. He he's definitely a good follow. But just many people coming out pretty much in support of Carmelo Anthony. And the only problem that I have with that is – I think Carmelo Anthony is a really good player. I do think that he belongs to play somewhere in this league. But I'm also beginning to look at Carmelo Anthony the same way I look at a Vince Carter, the same way that I look at a Tony Parker, somebody who's beyond their prime, still good enough to play in the league, but not really a championship caliber player. He's not at a guy that you want on your at team all. if you're trying to contend to win a championship. And when we think about the Houston Rockets and we think about the success that they had last year and how close they were to being able to get to the NBA Finals and having Golden State down 3-2 to two and just having to deal with the unfortunate injury of Chris Paul and they couldn't get over the hump and win that actual series – I don't think Carmelo is a fit for a team that's trying to elevate to take the next step and ultimately get over that hump that they barely missed getting over last year. And even if you just look at the history of Carmelo Anthony, he's been an amazing talent. He's been a phenomenal talent, but never has he really been a guy with a championship mentality. And when he was young, was when he was young, he was able to he take Denver a to a Western height. Conference Finals yeah. because he was that good of a player. But when you start to think about the decisions he started making and going to the New York Knicks, and he started to be a guy that was more so focused on making money than winning a championship. Overweight, really overweight yeah. Build, we never like, seen him really yeah. take that next step in his career beyond being uh, amazing talent yeah, exactly. and being a naturally gifted player. So and, 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 he just and, didn't and practice love, championship practices for me to sit here and be mad that he no longer plays right. for a team that's trying to win a and championship. I love Stack Jack and I love a lot of what he has to say. He's I think saying he's being blackballed. But <laughs> I just think what was funny to me is when he said, I can name 50 players at Carmelo better than right now. That's like three NBA teams worth, maybe four. That, that's not good. You it's know not. what I mean? It, like you said, if you're talking about a team who's legitimately trying to win a championship and thinks that they're not that far off, it's like naming 50 people better than this dude ain't impressive to me. No. It, 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 I didn't know if I was tripping or if my math was off, but do you agree with what I'm saying? I, I agree 100%. So I just think that he kind of made himself – I think that when you go and speak on things like that and the people, you have to really, really dig deep and have great points. And I think that although I agree with what he was getting at, I think that the points, the black ball statement is very bold. The naming 50 people better, whoop de doo that's not strong. So, you know what I mean? I yeah. just think that he didn't have strong support on what he was trying to say, although I see what he was trying to say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I said, Melo, he still belongs in the league. Go play for the Orlando Magic or somebody. Go play for somebody that's not Sacramento really in contention. <laughs> it's not in contention of winning a championship because Melo just hasn't practiced enough championship qualities throughout his career for me to sit here and believe that he could just flip the switch and try to help a team 
ultimately become champions. This is being a champion is something that you have to work at. LeBron worked at it. Steph Curry worked at it. Say what you want about Kevin Durant, but I believe he worked at it. Kevin Durant had to go through the ringer to ultimately become a champion. He was so obsessed with becoming a champion that he made a decision to play for the Golden State Warriors, which many people may not agree with, but when you've been so close to being able to get there and it doesn't happen, for him, it didn't matter what people thought. It was all about going on this journey and winning this championship, and he took less money to do so. Melo's never been that guy. So ultimately, Melo, I wish you the best. Um, you are talented. You should still be playing for somebody in this league. It just shouldn't be the Houston Rockets. So I think the Houston Rockets made the right decision and parting ways with you. Next up, we got a couple listener questions that we want to attack. So um, keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast on DatCast Network. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So, um, last week we began answering some listener questions. We've had people reach out to us on social media with a question that they wanted us to answer. Um, we still don't have a particular name for this segment, but we do like to appease our listeners and being able to talk about and answer questions that they have interest in. So this week's question comes from my guy, Eddie Carrillo, Go Boxers. Shout out to him. Hey. Also also from the Bay Area, too. So he and I, we, we related heavy in college, being two Bay Area guys, going to the same university, and that's still my guy till this day and always be my guy going forward. But um, what Eddie wanted us to talk about was he wanted us to spend some time talking about mental health and sports and pretty much how that topic has been heightened and how we're starting to see a lot of athletes and players come out and talk about, you know, their mental health issues. Obviously, you got guys, if we talk NBA-specific, you got guys like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan, amongst others, who have come out and talked about their own mental health issues. And I do think we're in a time period today where, you know, mental health is definitely at an all-time high. Now, if I'm being completely transparent here with you all, I've struggled with the whole mental health thing, especially when it comes to sports, from a from an aspect of always having to be the tough guy, and really more so just from the aspect of being a man. I think beyond you know guys having mental health issues, we've been kind of programmed as men to have to play the tough role and have and not really talk about and face the reality that we do have these certain issues and I still deal with those challenges to this day. So you may not necessarily hear me talk much about mental health issues in sports just because I can sit here and openly say to you all that I still deal with issues in being too tough and then not really accepting the fact that I may or may not have a mental health issue. I just try to block it out all the way, which may not be the healthiest idea, (laughs) but it's just what I do. So that's why I don't really dig into talking about it much because I don't know really where I stand yet as far as mental health and sports, but I do respect the people that are able to acknowledge that they have mental health issues but I probably and could I think, do better in at least checking up to see if I have them I or not. I think just the fact that these other players are doing it, I think it makes it easier for people like you who might be on the fence, who might think maybe this is a problem or maybe not. You know, right. I think the fact that it's more common than one might expect or think makes it easier. you like, okay, these other successful people, these other people who I look up to, idolize, they might have some of the same tendencies or problems or not that I may have so right definitely I, I think that it take a lot I, I respect and I think it's courageous of the people who are speaking up because I think it might make it easier for people like you or me to even go get it checked out right and I, I think what you're saying that speaks to the power of the platform right and you know right. athletes using their platform so like I said Eddie I appreciate you for asking that because on this podcast and for us to be a podcast that is so heavily in talking about intersections with sports and things that are kind of not related to sport mental health is just one thing that I've never really dug into because I don't really know and if I do have mental health issues I would even go as far as saying that I ride the line of 
being in denial because I just refuse to say that I'm the guy with the mental health problem. Right. And right. I'm not saying that that's healthy at all, but that's just how I am. Right. Um, that's how I've been. But even me saying this right now, it's kind of a weight being lifted off my shoulders because I can publicly acknowledge that. And there may be other people out there that feel the same way that I do. And especially being in a world today where mental health issues is kind of at the forefront of things. So they may feel the same way, but they may be going through some things. And this might encourage them to say, you know what, let me put my pride to the side and go nice. get things checked out and nice. go do therapy and just see what it can do for me. See what I can tap into that I may not have tapped into before just because I was too tough to say that I have an issue and that I'm facing problems because that's just kind of a thing. Right. <laughs> so. And although you said a platform, I agree to an extent, but it's also, like I said, just the fact of, I don't know if you ever felt that feeling where you might be in like a classroom setting or a public setting where, you know, somebody, the instructor, the speaker, the teacher might ask, raise your hand if this or this. And you know that you're fitting to raise your hand, but you might wait till the other two or three people raise their hand in the room before you do. Right. It's the same kind of concept. Like I said, knowing that these like-minded individuals or these peers of yours might battle the same thing or it might tie into the same kind of stuff makes you a little bit more woke or susceptible to go really checking it out and digging deeper. I agree. I agree. So ultimately, Eddie, I, I thank you for asking that question just because... I tend to stay away from it, but you kind of forced me to have to come out and talk about it. And I would advise anybody else that do feel like they may be facing some mental health issues to go get yourself checked out. Um, like I said, go tap into therapy. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but maybe some way, someday I will. And I think this might actually be some motivation and some inspiration to go do so just to see where I stand because I may not have any mental health issues. Right. But there's just as much of a possibility that I may have some mental health issues that I haven't faced or acknowledged that do exist. So I encourage everybody to go get checked out. I know we live in a time period where pressure is at an all-time high. Um, I spoke earlier about perception and even though I spoke about it from more of a social standpoint and something like being in the club which may not really seem that important it's a thing it's a part of reality it's mm -hmm. there it's happened how do I know because I've been in, in these environments and I've been around these types of things so I know that it's real even though we may downplay it because it shouldn't be as important as it really is so yeah Thanks for asking that. Y'all go get yourselves checked out. And next up, we're going to close this thing out with the Take an L segment. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So, um, even though we disagreed, D-Boy and I did our best to give you a winning formula on Le'Veon Bell and him making the decision to hold out and not play this season because he wants the almighty dollar. Um, we tried to give you a winning formula on how not to act if you're Draymond Green. Um, we gave you a winning formula on what the Philadelphia 76ers did right in trying to ultimately become a champion. Um, we gave you a winning formula that if you haven't been practicing championship qualities throughout your career or your lifetime, don't think that because you're talented or that you're good at something that you can just try to put yourself in a championship situation and you'll come out successful. Yeah, it might have been a shot taken at Carmelo Anthony there, but it is what it is. Last segment through the listener question. We tried to give you a winning mentality and a winning formula on going and getting yourself checked out if you are diagnosed or not diagnosed with mental health issues just because, you know, there's a lot of pressure going on in society and things are being heightened. And, you know, we don't want to see anybody um, have any kind of detriment to themselves or to their life because they have too much pride to go get checked out like myself. But now we got to talk about who took an L this week. So, um, D-Boy. Talk to me. Talk to me. I'm going to let you start this one off. Who you got taking an L this week? Let's dig into it. Well, you just heard the music, I hope. <laughs> that's what I tried to set it up for before you reeled me into this crap. You know what I mean? And uh, the taking L, uh, the person who took the biggest L this week to me is Amine, rapper from Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. whose biggest hit to date 
is not the reeling in song I was just playing, but Caroline, yeah, correct? Right, right, right. No, a lot that of that reeling in song is a banger. I like though. the song. It's I a like banger. Like I said, I haven't heard much from Amine. I didn't like the red Mercedes song. I liked Caroline, y'all. I'm sure everybody's familiar. Yeah, that was a huge record. Dang. Fun as hell. Oh, my. Yeah, that song. Okay. So that one hit. The red Mercedes, I think, was a follow up. Whatever. Then he did a Barbie song or something that wasn't cool either. But he came back with Reeling In. Bang. You talked about it well before podcasts and all of this. Just the fact that, like, ooh, it's go. Yeah, it's a a hit. I like the beat. I like the vibe. I like the pocket. All of that. But as of yesterday, I started seeing. Uh, posts from people on Instagram with this billboard, very bright yellow billboard, and the message that reads on that billboard states, yes, comma, there are black people in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> At first, it, it was so outlandish to me that I thought it was like fake. It was something that somebody made or it was some kind of internet content right then i seen the willamette week posted yeah which is a credible source here in oregon and portland and all of that right then i saw jamming 107.5 posted which obviously i'm i have a connection with jamming 107.5 or a relationship i should say with them um and so i followed them closely and i was surprised to see them posted and so the the website that reads on that says clubbananas.com, which I'm assuming is Amine's, uh, his direct website, because his whole like gimmick is this banana-themed, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know, know what it's but, about, but I've yeah, seen the videos. Right, so yeah, he, he definitely banana yeah, movement. Right. So, with that being said, um, if he endorsed or it said, oh, by the way, the billboard says on the billboard right next to the message, it says, paid for by Amine. Oh. So, like I said, if it, if that wasn't said, I would say, oh, I want to talk to his content creators or whoever, which I would think that he has enough power in his career to have control or oversee or have the final say with something like that going up. Right. But for one, I didn't really understand the message or what he was trying to like obviously it's a clear message. It's basically people must have the perception there's no black people in Portland. Yeah. So I don't know if his so success is you know I I really don't know, but I'm just at a point where the segregation and and I, I look at things whether it's in my relationship or anything else on the flip side. How would I feel if it was the other way around? We both admit we come from the ghetto, the inner city. Right. You, you know, and if it was ever a billboard. When you're coming down that hill from Fairfield to Vallejo that says, yes, there are white people in Vallejo, it would be outrageous. <laughs> it would be a problem. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. obviously, Vallejo is a little bit more diverse than Portland. But I think you kind of get the point. And if any listeners out there understand kind of what I'm saying, whatever's predominant in your area, think about if it kind of said that for the, yes, there are white people in the Bay. Like, I just don't think that's a good message. I don't think it's a good look, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a good look not only for him but the people that have posted this in these positions. And I only say that I'm not judging anybody from Willamette Week to Jamming 107.5, but I'm only judging based on the comments that I'm seeing from their fans and listeners, such as Jamming and the Red. You know what I mean? Where well, I mean, yeah, I definitely this is a bad message. I don't agree. Like it's confusing because it's not. Even though it's the media's job to cover it, so I understand it, it's more so like it makes it seem like they're kind of condoning the message. Yeah, yeah, to like some they're people. endorsing the exactly. message. Exactly. I mean, I, I I can see that, especially being that we are in a white state. So if you're one of those mm-hmm. media outlets, mm-hmm. whether you're the radio station or whether you're a magazine, a publication, whatever it is, and you post that, yeah, it seems like you're endorsing a particular message. And quite frankly, the region that you're in, um, the location that you're in, there's not enough people that can necessarily relate to that. Do I understand where Amina is coming from? Absolutely. Just based on kind of my time being here in Portland and kind of, you know, like I said, doing the work that I do and noticing that even, you know, in my field of work, we try to figure out a way to kind of 
include and kind of be more of an, an inclusion-based organization. And we do think and talk about ways to culturally include black people black people or the black race or native americans is beyond just black first yeah, off no, let no, me say that sure but the black race and we try to really focus on inclusion so i understand where amina is coming from yeah. when you come from a city that is predominantly white and it is actually very progressive here and a lot of the african americans or the african americans that do exist here which is a small percentage, you know percentage so of that they definitely feel like they got to kind of puff their chest out a little bit more okay. because they aren't in a and real I, diverse I location agree. in a diverse area. So we, they got to go above and beyond and to show their the presence. That, me and you talked about the fact that I was in uh, Mount Hood. I was at Mount Hood a couple months ago. I, my birthday, pretty much. So what, August, middle of August, uh -huh. it, it, we went to um, Mount Hood and... After doing the, all the fun touristy stuff, we went to this actual lake down there, beautiful lake, and it was a guy fishing with his son. And I was just down there kind of just soaking it in. You feel me? We looking at the the views, the the view, the reflection of Mount Hood off the lake, all the stuff. And a white man came up to me and said, what are you doing out here? It's usually not many brothers in the mountains. And he said it harmless, but... It goes back to what that, yeah. you know, what that billboard says, like, yeah, it's, it's black people out here. You right. don't, and you probably, as you said, it's progressive. You're probably going to see more of it. So I wouldn't say get used to it, but don't be but so get used surprised. To it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was so unused to it that although he meant no harm, he said that really right. shocked. For sure. And, and my thing is, I feel like Amine has a big enough platform where that that um, billboard doesn't speak volumes. I think certain personal experience he's gone through, if he's from here or grew up here or whatever the case may be, he's he obviously dealt with it a lot more than we have in our short two and four years here. Absolutely. Correct? So I think that he can dig deeper in um, explaining or kind of getting people to get used to the fact that we are here and it's going to be more of us, well, but do you think it's just really, it's not enough there when it just says, yes, there are black people in Oregon. So, so you Oregon. think it's more of a thing of him needing to add more substance to the more, message? I think it should be more to it. I, Which I, like I think I, was, I think, I do think that that'll end up happening. And I think he does, made a statement. Sense, yeah, you know, I think he made a statement. I, I believe it'll end see, up happening. I would have to see going forward, but just on the initial take of it, yeah, I, I just think it, it, it was lacking. It wasn't enough it it just didn't come across the right way in my opinion but like i said hopefully more explanation and more opportunities to explain itself is to come from it and uh you know that's that's really what my take is on it i hear you now for me there is a community of people that have taken a loss in my opinion it's not one particular person it's not one particular place, one particular thing. There's a community of people. And these are the people that have been outraged by one of my all-time favorite artists that goes by the name of Jill Scott. <laughs> now, for those of you that don't know, Jill Scott, who is a hell of an artist in my opinion, has been one of my favorite artists since, since I was a kid. I remember being back in middle school and golden back when we had uh, I can vouch. back I can vouch. When, back when we had to record our voicemails and we used to record a music yeah. song and yeah, we recorded a song yeah. on the voicemail. I'm in middle school and golden was my voicemail. So when you heard my voicemail, if I didn't answer the song, I mean answer the phone, it was a recording of the song Golden by Jill Scott. And so I've been a fan. Live, he'll sing it for real, for real. Absolutely. So I've been a fan forever. But for those that for those of you that don't know. Um, there's a video that has pretty much gone viral of her performing fellatio to a microphone live in concert. Um, she was just, you know, showing how it happens and how it gets down. And I'm not here to kind of get into the freakiness of it. Well, and I'm, I'm not here, here to kind of clear up that she was storytelling. It was a part. It was it was connected to the substance in the song. Absolutely. So she was definitely... It, you know what I mean? It was fitting to the lyrics that she was singing. But going to the point that I'm getting ready to make, and I'm glad you said that, because anybody that 
doesn't really know Jill Scott, who I think is an amazing artist, once again, who doesn't know that she has that nice element to her music and to her persona and to who she is. You've been missing out for a long fucking time. Right, right, <laughs> You've been missing out for a long time. I'm not here to say how good she performed fellatio on the microphone or how dope it was. I mean, I watched it and pretty much everybody else did too. The video went viral. Your opinion on that is your opinion. If it turns you on or off, it's whatever. So be it. But for me, the fact that so many people seem to be surprised by this, the fact that people are just now giving her credit for the action that people are just now it saying, true fans. it shows that y'all wasn't true fans, and it shows that y'all have been taking a loss and missing out on the phenomenal artist that this woman has been for years, Why you over think a she decade. To take a long walk around the park. Uh, hello, park, hello, right? hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Just tune in. Open your ears. That's all if, I'm if saying. You close your mouth, open your ears, and you might see something. Now, and now, now, even though now, even though y'all have been losing for a long time, hopefully it took this video going viral for y'all to for y'all to dig deeper and go listen to Jill Scott's music, because ultimately. I don't know her personally, but through her music, through her artistry, um, even through her acting, I think she's a beautiful soul. I think she's an amazing talent. And, I bet and like I said, went through the roof over I the bet they did too. And, and that I'm happy about yeah, because I feel like they deserve to because of how good she is, how good her content is, mm -hmm. and how consistent she's been mm -hmm. in producing good content. So... I'm just saying, y'all took a loss because y'all been losing if y'all just now are figuring out the type of person, the type of artist, the type of woman that Jill Scott is based on this video that went viral. But uh, well on said. that note, we're well going to leave this thing the only way that we know how. D-Boy, go ahead and tell him where to find you and tell him where to tune into this weekend because uh, I think you got a big situation happening on oh Sunday. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, in fact. You know I'm D-Boy LTD with an I, not a Y. That's LTD, like living the dream. And uh, Mara, if you're in the local area, Portland area and beyond, uh, we got, uh, I'm making my first appearance on the news, KGW News on Sports Sunday. So right after that last football game on Sunday, tune in to KGW News. I will be performing live as well as doing a short interview on the Rip City Anthem that I have for the Portland Trailblazers. So I'm excited about that Sunday, and I got some more exciting announcements for next week. So stay tuned with me, man. Indeed, indeed. And y'all know where to find me, Pounce underscore station on, station on Instagram and Twitter. Um, be sure to submit those listener questions as well. Um, we obviously talk about what we want to talk about, but we also want to talk about what y'all want us to talk about. And I think today um, we had a great segment talking about mental health. So shout out to Eddie Carrillo on that. And uh, make sure to subscribe. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, we're there. Um, if you listen to iHeartRadio, we're there too. Um, and most importantly, go check us out on thatcast.com. That is the network. That's the label. And you'll find not only us, but many other significant podcasts here in the Portland area. And we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win.